Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it. Well, Stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Live on Fireside. Hello and welcome back to Guilty Greeny, live on Fireside from the Climate Collab Auditorium. We are your imperfect hosts. I'm Kate Bagby. And I'm Sarah Ferris. And I don't know about you, but we're tired of perfectionism and trying to live more sustainably. Now, personally, I feel that if I'm not living under a bivouac, eating foraged crickets and mealworm stir fry, I'm pooping all over this glorious planet, no matter which way I turn. So let's get real for a minute and focus on what we can achieve because I've got no intention of living without some of my creature comforts. Actually, I don't even know what a bivouac looks like. I reckon I could stomach some mealworms, but don't get any ideas, Kate. Join us as we bear all. We'll share our own guilts, share our journeys, and just add some levity in our attempts and fails to be more eco-friendly. But in the real world, the good, the bad, the laughable. And today we are going back to basics. We should have a sturdy foundation to understand why we are trying to live more sustainably. Yeah, absolutely. The reason that we landed on this topic was because Kate is an expert in this area and I am not. I know we need to save the planet and that the temperatures are rising, but if somebody said to me, why? I probably couldn't tell you an articulate, sensible answer. So I want to assume that the listeners are a little bit like me, someone who wants to do better, but doesn't always have the time to invest in that deep dive on the topic. And I just want takeaway bite-sized chunks that are actionable. That's where you come in, Kate, because I'm going to mine your information and you're going to help me fill in those gaps. So I want you to start with giving me a helicopter view of the why. First off, I just want to say I can see how this relationship's going, Sarah. Just extractive <laughs> in nature. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, are you kidding me? I live 
for the weekly challenges and to hear one how you did, but also your family's thoughts on it. They <laughs> it, literally, I look forward to it every week, and we're gonna get to that a little bit later because I actually gave you two challenges last week. You did. We're gonna see how that goes. But all right, helicopter view. Why? Why should we be living more sustainably? There's a couple of reasons. The first is it slows climate change. Right? We know. Right now, the planet is warming due to human-caused activity. When I say human-caused, I want to be clear on that. I'm not saying all humans. We know that it is typically the Anglo-Western world and industry. We'll talk about that a little bit later, too. But I'm just saying humans because we know that while greenhouse gases are normal, the rate that it's happening at is due to human activity and industrialization. Number one. Living more sustainably helps to slow climate change. Number Mm -hmm, two, mm -hmm. it helps to protect the environment and biodiversity, creates a healthy planet for people, animals, soil, all of that. It also creates stronger community. Ooh, how? If you start to move away from this scarcity mindset, and especially the mindset of acquisition, you really then get to focus on connecting with people and learning from people. And you step outside of that nine to five rat race where everybody's just trying to accumulate, 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 whether it's stuff or wealth, because that's the perceived way to quote unquote, get ahead in life. Mm -hmm. But it actually contributes to the problem and separates us as a community. We view it as a competition. True. That has really clearly come into focus over the last year with COVID, how we've been living in our neighborhoods. And I don't know about you, but I live in a suburb and we've got a Streets Watts app that came into play only because of COVID. And we started with that kind of old school swapping resources at the beginning when people couldn't get pasta or couldn't get toilet paper. So yeah, I get that. That whole bringing it back to the small community and living in your space. That's Hmm. the point. You can have very strong and rich communities, even in cities. love that you all set up a WhatsApp. Our town has a Facebook group, actually several of them, but one is called Reuse, Reduce, Recycle. I hosted a party pre-COVID and I was looking for a champagne bucket and I put it out. Hey, does anybody have a champagne bucket I can borrow for X, Y, and Z date? I'll get it back to you. And not only did I get the bucket, but they gave me silver polish and the whole deal. Great. It was so Was that because they wanted it back clean? Yeah, probably. (laughs) They were so apologetic because they're like, we started to clean it. We just ran out of time. I'm like, I don't expect you to clean it for me. You're already doing me a a favor. I've got a vision of them dropping around a whole lot of silverware as well with it, just going and by by the way. (laughs) But that's what I mean by strengthening community. When you stop acquiring and are able to start connecting with people and realizing, I don't need need to buy a new pie plate. I can ask my neighbor for this. It really strengthens your own community. And it also helps with difficult conversations, which we find ourselves in the midst of with COVID and climate change. Everything feels very, very tense. But when Mm -hmm. you know someone personally because they've borrowed sugar from you or a pie plate, clearly I have baking on my mind today. (laughs) You're a bit hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Tiny bit. When that happens, it becomes really difficult to have contentious conversations or to see yourself as separated from someone when they are part of your daily life. That makes sense. Two other whys. When we talk about the word sustainability, it talks about ensuring there are resources for future generations. We want to make sure generations that come after us, Sarah, I know you have children, that not everything's depleted, that they can live healthy and happy lives in balance with the world around them. It's definitely important. You want to leave the planet for the future generations. One of my favorite, I guess it's 
a proverb. I forget exactly where it comes from, though. The gist of it is, it says, selflessness is planting a tree today knowing that you will never sit in its shade. Oh, that's beautiful, Kate. Last one. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this a lot in the past year and a half, improves health. Living sustainably helps with air quality. It helps with water quality, food, you name it. Once we look at things and how they interact, our health improves as well. No downsides there really in terms of the why, but what happens if we don't change? I am filled with terror that David Attenborough is always telling me that I have screwed up the planet. When he dies, I feel like the whole planet's going to die because he was the last one kind of holding it together. What happens if we don't change? Essentially, all those positives get turned into negative. We won't go into the doom and gloom because the world is so full of doom and gloom. We see the headlines all the time. We're seeing it this year with increase in forest fires, record temperatures, flooding, mudslides, more precipitation, less precipitation. If we continue to ignore it or continue to put a Band-Aid instead of really fixing the root cause of it, climate change speeds up. We continue to lose more biodiversity and trash the planet. We lose millions of lives, whether that's from poor health or from disasters. And I don't even want to call them natural disasters because at this point, they're man-made. We're creating the problem, which is creating these fires. Sure, no one's taking a physical match and lighting the forest, but based on our activity, and again, our, that's a very loose term, (laughs) we're creating the conditions for this to happen. It's going to be a massive problem if we don't do anything at all. Tell me the when. How long have we got before we can't unscramble the egg? The tipping point? Yeah. The when is now. Change needs to happen immediately. We see different reports, government officials coming out in industries saying, this is just a broad example, by 2030, 50% of cars should be electric. No, not by 2030. 2030 is nine years down the road. It shouldn't be 50%. We should be aiming for 100%. But then I won't even get into the car thing. You can't just replace fossil fuel with renewable and continue a consumption pattern and expect the outcome to be any different. It's just kicking the can down the road. Well, that's my next question. One of the things that I feel I don't really have any power to change it. Sometimes I hear that it's big business that's creating the problem. So what difference is it going to make that I'm using a reusable bag? Or it's the government policies, like you just said, that electric cars coming in in 2030, that's not soon enough. What can I do? I can buy an electric car, but what is the real answer there? Is there hope that we can change all of these factors? And what are the biggest culprits? In terms of responsibility, and this goes back to the conversation about anthropogenically caused with human caused, we know that the surge in emissions started with the Industrial Revolution and really ramped up after the 1950s, specifically from the Anglo-Western world. The people who are affected most are those who literally contribute the least in terms of carbon emissions. These are the people whose island nations are flooding. They Mm -hmm. will eventually Mm -hmm. have to relocate. These are the countries where plastic is polluting their riverways because it's being shipped out from Western countries for them to deal with. We're not being responsible for our own behaviors, essentially. Within that, it's just 100 companies are responsible for 71% of global emissions since 1988. And half of that emissions can actually be traced back to just 25 corporate and state-owned entities. This includes companies like, no surprise here, ExxonMobil, Mm -hmm. Chevron. Responsibility really does come down to these 100 companies. 
And if you're continuing to pull fossil fuels out, whether it's to power a car or to create plastics or whatever else we use fossil fuels for, which is pretty much everything, if you're continuing to extract and if consumption rates are getting more and more, then yeah, we're going we're gonna to blow past the 1.5 degrees. Right. Um, what can I do? Give me three things that I can do perhaps to make an impact in maybe one big business. What's effective to make them change? and in government. And then obviously we can talk about the consumer behavior, which is something that we do have control of that we probably can discuss. But the big business and the government, I don't know where to start with that. We as individuals like to have action-oriented tasks. It makes us feel empowered and it makes us feel powerful. But we do want to keep it in perspective. Consumption is a massive part of the problem. If you're just going out there and buying this instead of that, that's not addressing the root cause. It should be cutting down on the things we actually need in life. Like how many of us actually need to buy the same shirt in five different colors? Or do we really need to buy that snack in a plastic package? Or are we just feeling impulsive at the moment? Or is there marketing that's pushing us to say we have to have this latest thing? The most powerful thing we can do, one, really reevaluate our relationship with stuff and ask ourselves, do I really need this much stuff in my life? Or is Mm -hmm. it a way of self-soothing? Or habit, right? It's habit as well, part of it. It's habit. And we need to be clear that this habit has grown out of a very clever marketing campaign. These businesses wouldn't be the size they are If we had said, well, hold on, I'd rather go run around in the yard with my friends and play a game of tag as opposed to, oh, I need a wiffle ball and I need a bat and now I need this and this in order to play a very similar game. These companies told us, if only we buy this, we'll feel so much better. It'll be so much easier. It'll be this and this and this. One of the best examples, there's a beer company that had a really famous ad a couple of years ago, TV ad, that essentially says, you had a hard day at work. You've earned this. Did I have that here? I don't know. You've earned spending your money on something you didn't need in the first place in order to feel relaxed. So mm-hmm. now these companies tell us what to buy, how our emotions should be in order to feel relaxed. I need to drink a beer. You can put whatever spin on it you want, but at the end of the day, they're telling you how to act. That's my rant of the day. <laughs> Sorry. I love your rant of the day. I'm going to take away from that, that I need to just pause anytime I feel like I'm about to purchase something and just maybe an hour challenge. Say, right, if I don't want it in an hour, job done. That's a great takeaway. Before I got into sustainable fashion, when I realized I was just buying too much clothing, I set a deal with myself and I said, three weeks, if you see an item... And in three weeks' time, you are still not passively thinking about it, but obsessively thinking about it, then you can buy it. And do you know how many items I bought over years of doing this? Oh, I don't know. Tell me. I'm reckoning zero. One or two. I realized, oh, I saw it or something similar and I thought it looked really cool, but at the end of the day, it didn't fit who I was. I thought Mm -hmm. I needed to have it in that moment. It's a little game to play with yourself. Yeah. I'm up for that. You know I love a game. That's not your challenge, though. Okay, fine. I'll just add it to my list of little tips and tidbits that I need to work on. Okay, so let's go to what are the biggest myths and disinformation about sustainability that's out there. Uh, There's a lot. There's some big whoppers out there in the world, especially because the word sustainability or green or eco have become really trendy in the marketing space, and it's not regulated 
This is where consumers have an incredibly powerful role to play. Companies are seeing that consumers want more sustainable options in their life. The unfortunate part is that they're changing the language without really changing the product or practices. This is where it comes down to consumers to ask questions. The biggest myth that we're seeing is uh, consumers are to blame. Consumers Mm -hmm. have power to change how businesses operate. If we stop buying things, they're going to stop creating, for the most part, some of the products. Right. We see this with recycling campaigns. If only people recycled, we wouldn't have a problem. Well, that's not how that works. The recycling campaign was actually started in order to shift responsibility and put it onto the consumer. Knowing full well recycling capabilities didn't exist and they were creating plastics, which had to be separated, but the technology did not exist or was not scalable for it to be separated. So is that still the case now that recycling? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. It's nine or 10% of plastic in the world is recycled. That's it. It's so devastatingly disappointing that when you hear things like that, isn't it? It seems like an easy thing to do, but why is that so hard? Because there was issues with technologies, scalability, and also where money was being invested. So money wasn't being invested in the technologies. Money was being invested in the product, not to mention that most plastics, even if they are recycled, only have a one to two use. It's an obsolete product. It degrades over time. You can only reuse it so many times. I feel like we kind of got off track there about consumers to blame, but consumers are told (laughs) to recycle, just recycle. I would say just don't buy the product in the first place unless you really need it. Yeah, I'm hearing that loud and clear. Another myth that really gets under my skin is that living more sustainably is expensive. That is something that I've heard. In the statement, living sustainably is more expensive. Essentially, it's reinforcing a hyper-capitalistic, hyper-consumerist marketplace where you are literally exchanging one product for another. If you are living more sustainably, authentically, by its very nature, you are stepping out of that hyper-capitalistic system. You are saying, I'm not going to be buying products just because I'm being told I have to. Living more sustainably, this goes back to what we talked about at the beginning and building a stronger community, is borrowing things from your neighbor. Mm -hmm. It's sharing things. It's saying, I'm not going to buy a dress for an event. I'm going to borrow it from someone because I know I'm only going to wear it once. I love that. My favorite line of our whole series that we've done so far is that sustainability is the new frugal. And when you start to look at it in terms of you're not replacing a product, you're changing your lifestyle, you already are on that journey. broad example. In kitchens, a lot of people use cling film or plastic Tupperware or tinfoil to cover their dishes or whatever. What happened to just using a normal bowl and a kitchen towel over it or the lid to the pot for storage? Why did we have to buy special containers in order to store things, which also, by the way, leads to food waste? Because now instead of opening my fridge and being like, oh, yeah, I need to use that pot again. Therefore, I should probably eat the leftovers. (laughs) It sits in these plastic containers or, or even glass where we think everything is disposable. I'm really ranty today, Sarah. No, I'm feeling your frustration with it and I totally get it. It is definitely changing the mindset because even yesterday we were in the kitchen and my husband was pulling things out, trying to put food away after dinner. And he started ranting going, what? None of these bloody things have lids that match. I'm going to throw them all out and start again. And I'm (laughs) jeepers. I'll tell you what, the kids and I just went at him and we were like, you can't do that. That is so wasteful. I mean, we're reformed planet wreckers in our house. We're trying to do our bit, but I get where you're coming from. So rent away. This is where I say it's a systematic 
failure. It is not an individual failure. This is a systematic political and industry failure. We can swap out products, but until we address these bigger issues, it's going to be tough. There is a reason we have billionaires, and it's Mm. not because they're way smarter than the rest of us. You left me like on a cliffhanger then. I was like, she's going to give me, I'm going to be a billionaire next week. (laughs) The top three tips to becoming a billionaire in 60 days. Tune in next week. NFTs, Um, go, go, go. The one thing I want to ask you is if you could tell a person one thing that you want everybody to know about sustainability, what would it be? Just one thing. You've only got one sentence. Go. You have more power than you think. It's just not being directed in the right place. Oh, put that on a bumper sticker. That's great. Individuals have way more power than they think. But if it's directed towards buying, it's misguided. Right. If you're loving all this free content and thinking, how can I support the podcast? Well, one way is to support our sponsors like this one. I don't know about you, but I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or my favorite, even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. The battery lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. It has over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, which makes them an awesome present. Go to BlendJet2.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code FERRIS12 to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. That's FERRIS, as in my last name, F for frog, E-R-R-I-S for sugar, 12. Whatever way you remember it, Ferris 12 into the website. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Plus, as a bonus, it's a great way to support the podcast. And if you can't remember Ferris 12, go to the show notes and click the link. So can you give me any examples of sustainability changes that have actually worked and the impact can be seen? Yes. Pipelines have been shut down because of protest. People constantly writing to their governments and turning out and saying, no, we don't want this. Okay. Another one, which I know everybody's heard about, is the straws, banning of straws and single-use plastic bags, things like that. That's been a really successful campaign. And, and you'll get a lot of people that say, yeah, but straws are only a small percentage of plastic waste. Does it matter? Does it matter if it's 1% or 5%? What matters is you've just reduced plastic pollution by 1%. And in my opinion, great. I think so too. Just the little changes that we can make gives us some power. Yeah. In my opinion, change comes about much faster when we start to group together as a community and say, hey, if we all work together and share our knowledge, we grow stronger. It is a really great lesson in learning when to say, I don't know. And there are people who this is very much their lived and academic experience. This is what they fight for or against. Let me connect you with that person. Love that. Have you done your myths? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's enough ranting. There are more myths out there, but I will spare the audience anymore. We've got plenty of weeks left to rant. Let's talk about the high points, the low points, and your challenge. Okay. Can I start with my high points? Because I had a lovely, lovely greeny Sunday. I went to visit my local refill larder and... 
in my mind, I was channeling Kate and thinking, right, we've done an episode on the laundry. I'm going to go and see what the other detergents are. So I came away with those laundry sheets. If you go to my Instagram or to the Guilty Greenie Instagram, I put up some lovely photos, beautiful packaging. Everything still looks pretty. As a consumer, I do actually like buying those products. I don't feel like I'm cheating myself. So I bought that and I got some beeswax wraps so that we can solve the problem of the missing lids for the plastic Tupperware that the husband's ranting about. Oh, I like Uh, that solution. Thank you. And then the other thing that I discovered, and I haven't used these yet, is they're called ocean saver pods. They go into a cleaning spray bottle that has been used so you can recycle it and refill it. And you just drop these tabs into it and shake it up. There's been a push in the last couple of years to, instead of buying a new plastic bottle of cleaning spray or whatever, you just drop the tablet into water and it dissolves. So you don't ever have to buy a new container, which is awesome. Yeah. It's a lovely, lovely shop and it has been well curated. I think you're going to love the laundry sheets. I love mine. They really smell delicious and they're not even out of the packet. There's nothing like when you change laundry fabric. I remember doing it a couple of months ago and I couldn't sleep and I couldn't work out why. It was because I'd changed detergent. And the smell of my sheets, you know, because I'm in the UK, I only change them once a week. Once a year. My bad, a year. Um, <laughs> I took my seasonal shower last week, so we're, we're on the same. <laughs> we're saving water one person at a time. I love it. If anybody does not understand either of those references, I would highly suggest checking out our episode on showering, the naked truth, and um, the laundry. It sounds boring, but it was horrifically eye-opening, that episode. So those were my um, high points. Kate, what was yours? One of my wins for this week is I went apple picking and I bought so many apples from my local orchard. And the reason I bought a ton of them is because I'm going to make applesauce and I'm going to freeze it. Then I can have it throughout the winter, which means I'm supporting my local farmer and I'm buying seasonal products. So I'm not going into the store in January and buying apples that have been shipped halfway around the world. See, I love that idea, but do you then have to go out and buy a whole lot of glass containers to store it in? No, I actually, (laughs) I pilfered a wedding. This was years ago. My sister got married and their glassware at their wedding was the ball jars, canning jars. Afterwards, she's like, I'm just going to donate them. And I was like, no, you're not. I'm going to take them. So they're a mix of my drinking glasses and now I have canning jars as well. Amazing. It's so American of you. Just can I say that you're going to make, are you going to make apple sauce? Like, well, I'm going to make a bunch you... of apple things, but yeah. Right. Okay. What do you use apple sauce for? Random question. I just eat it. With what? By itself. You can use it for a lot of stuff, but I prefer it just by itself like, as a snack. Do you not do that? Well, that sounds like baby food to me. I'm going to want to have that wrapped in some pastry. That's what I'm saying. Really popular in New England is pork. To put it with like pork chops or pork wine. <laughs> You're talking to that's... a vegetarian, so it's not good. I want the pastry. <laughs> oh my God, that's right. I forgot that. Yeah, let's take the pastry. <laughs> I did also plant some native grasses. My nursery has a very, very big native plants section, which a lot of places don't. Not saying that they don't carry native plants, but it's not separated out. And so most people would assume if they're selling it in the area, it must be native to the area. That is often not the case. And so I bought some native grasses to plant in the yard. So that happened. Well done you. That's great. Let's go on to the bad stuff though. Yeah, because I'm so curious. What was your... Uh, we'll get to mine in a second. What the heck are jandals? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I 
confessed to Kate earlier that my low point was that I bought a pair of jandals on holiday. And she was like, what the hell? And I said, well, you just have to wait to the show and I'll tell you what they are. So jandals, I think it's just a Kiwi thing, but it's what we call, they call them flip-flops, I think. What do you call them? Thongs? Uh, Flip-flops. In Australia, they call them thongs, which is another whole confusing issue. Hawaii, I think it's slippers. Oh, really? There's another one to add to the list. But we call them jandals. When I was on holiday last week, I was walking and my jandal just popped off and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And all I could hear in my head was Kate going, your challenge is that you're not allowed to buy any clothing this month. And then I was like, did she say footwear? Mm, I see how you're stretching this. I had to because I couldn't walk around with one jandal on for the rest of the holiday. Could have been really entertaining. (laughs) Even just walking back into the hotel, I looked like I was not supposed to be there. When you said jandal, What popped into my head was a jean sandal, a sandal made out of denim. That is what popped into my head. (laughs) What what is this going to be? Is that what you really thought it was going to be? Like some kind of like denim-based shoe? Yeah, that's exactly. Wow, that's a good way to recycle denim. There you go, Kate. Oh, no, thank you. I'm not going to start that trend. (laughs) It's not happening. (laughs) Go on. Uh, So what was your low point then? My low point was I used, I feel like I can't even say this. I used a plastic spoon. (gasps) Shame, shame, shame. I understand for a lot of people, they're probably like, yeah, of course it happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably been the first time that I've used single-use silverware in years. That is impressive. I think you can let your conscience rest just for one plastic spoon. There have probably been other moments in those years, but none that I can remember. I got to see my nieces and nephews for the first time all together in almost two years. We went apple picking and at the end there was a little ice cream stand and so we all got ice cream. I had two options. I could do a cone or I could do a cup. I would probably go for the cone except that I'm allergic to it. What was interesting is I was so invested in the time I was spending with my family. I really didn't even think about it until afterwards. And there was a twinge of guilt. I feel like there's more guilt now. But in the moment, I was around my family for the first time in almost two years. Yeah. Sometimes things are just bigger than a plastic spoon, aren't they? But anyway. Let's talk about last week's challenge. There were two challenges issued. One was secondhand September, no new clothing, and we see that one's going well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The other challenge was because you were traveling, and we know fuel is calculated on uh, weight of the plane. You were challenged to only bring a carry-on in order to cut down on weight. How did it go? I think I nailed it. As I do each week after the show, I go and tell the kids and Gareth what the challenge is. But the kids didn't actually think that you took that challenge far enough. Let me just play a little audio of how they reacted. So the Guilty Greenie Challenge this week is lucky for you guys, not going to affect you because, well, part one is that I've got to pack only carry-on luggage for the trip coming up. If you really cared, you would swim instead of taking a plane. Um, well, that's not happening. Well, then you're not really having much influence no, on the carbon footprint. Oh. So it doesn't 
affect me? Well, there's a second part to the challenge and this does affect you. So September is a month where you're only allowed to do secondhand clothing. Secondhand September. So you got nominated by Kate to do it with me. We're not allowed to buy any new clothes. Everything has to be secondhand. I don't buy gonna... any new clothes anyway. Wait, does that mean that I get to buy clothes? <laughs> Can I just say, I love the direction they take it in every week. Every week. <laughs> I love the fact that Aviana didn't hear buy nothing. She heard buy differently. And can I also say, it's already saved me money, this challenge, because yesterday she came and she goes, I've got no winter clothes. And I'm like, oh, do you know what? It's secondhand September. She's on board with that, which is great. I actually put some pictures on the Instagram as well of my packing success. I was really proud of myself because I felt free. You saved probably half a day. Normally when I pack, I have to put everything out and think, am I going to use that? No, not sure. And I put it in just in case and I end up overpacking. I paired it right down to just three outfits that I just wore on loop and t-shirts that I could interchange with everything. They're really a capsule wardrobe. I was very proud of myself. You should be proud of yourself. It helped because it was somewhere I was going that was warm. But what didn't help was that when I told Gareth that I was going to just take carry-on luggage, he took it upon himself to ruin all of my good work. And if you look at the Instagram pictures, you'll see that he ended up wiping it all out with just overpacking. He took two big suitcases and I was like, I can't even be with you right now. You can't be responsible for other people, right? You can tell them, you can encourage them. But at the end of the day, people are going to make their own decisions. Who said, oh, you should swim? Oh, that was Josh, the 16-year-old. Just make it as hard as possible for mom. This week's challenge, I'm roping all the kids and Gareth into it. Oh God, just make sure there's no swimming involved because I'll drown. I can't swim to save myself. The other thing I was going to say that was an unexpected win on the carry-on packing was when I came home, I had hardly any washing to do. Normally, when I come home, I empty out the suitcase and think, well, you've all kind of been mixed in there together. I don't know what's clean and what's dirty now, and I'll end up overwashing. But it was nice. It took me about two seconds to unpack. So yeah, I'm embracing that for sure. Isn't it interesting? In a certain way, it's almost like a domino effect. One good habit begets another good habit and so on and so forth. Speaking of good habits, are you still doing any kind of line drawing whatsoever or no? Any kind of what? Line Line, drawing. Oh, I thought you said line drawing and I'm thinking you didn't give me an art challenge. Line dancing. Any lines will be fine. (laughs) I am. Absolutely. I'm looking out my window right now, Kate, and you'd be very proud of me. I've got a very full clothes horse. Love that. You are just rocking these challenges. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm here till, well, another 10 minutes. What's this week's challenge going to be? I'm nervous. Seeing as we talked about going back to basics and putting the responsibility on the correct shoulders while understanding we do have more power than we think we do, this week's challenge is to find a company who's creating a harmful product that could be swapped out and send them an email or send them a tweet. Oh my God. Okay. Hold on. Let me just clarify what the challenge is. I've basically got to find a product or go into sort of a store, look at what they're selling. And I'm going to send you an email or talk to the manager and say, you need to swap this out for something that's more eco. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a product. It can be a company. And this is why I'm interested to see where the whole family goes, what direction everyone goes in. 
Mm, I'm absolutely intrigued as well because my mind is blank. Normally when you give me the challenges, I think, okay, I can do that, but there's nothing that's jumping out at me. It's a really good challenge. Well done. I'm excited for this one. And I'm excited to see where the family goes with it as well. They're all a bit nuts. They'll all be in five different directions, I think. (laughs) I'm curious to see if they take the person-to-person approach, the email or the social media approach. There's different methods. Yeah, big business, straight to the top, or are they going to go local? I like it. Join us next week to see if Sarah accomplished her challenge. And Um, for more, the good, the bad, and the laughable, as we tackle our own sustainability journeys exclusively on Fireside in the Climate Collab Auditorium. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Guilty Greenie. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share, rate, and leave five-star review on Apple. It helps others find the podcast and get the climate conversation flowing. Guilty Greenie is an independently made podcast, so if you would like to support the podcast, please go to buymeacoffee.com backslash guilty greenie. The more support, the more content for your ears. Follow us on Instagram at Guilty Greenie and join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Make sure to share your experiences, the good, the bad, and the laughable. We love to hear from you. And let us know what topics you want to know more about. Until then, stay curiously green. Bye-bye. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing. I'm Sarah Ferris. Join me and my co-host, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program, Catherine Schweit. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've watched the reality of poor planning. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I really sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Our hope is that together we can stop the cries of never again fading into until next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on... Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.